Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 68. Well, normally right now we talk about how we're live. You know we're live. But before I fully go into it, I just got to like, I'm talking about how you guys are. And and I would tell you how I am, but like, I'm, I'm always doing good. But I want to tell you how uh, Mr. Primetime is doing good. Mr. The Actual MMA for money there on Twitter if you want to go there. Mr. Primetime is living up to his name this week. He went 3-0 and plus 5 units on 1-2 and two unit wagers for Sunday night football and both games of Monday night football. All eyes are on him tonight as he tries to stay perfect on primetime and complete the week 13 primetime sweep. All those evidence are there, and we can go back to it. He won a two-way teaser on Washington plus 12.5 and under 49 on the Pittsburgh-Washington game. He had a two-way teaser for plus 6.5 for Buffalo plus 8.5 and the over 42.5 in that game. He had the over in the Buffalo versus uh, 49ers game, and we have a two-way teaser going on tonight to see if he can complete the sweep. So basically, again, if you're not putting your money on that, man, you're not making money. Well, we are here live right now on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube. Please join us in the chat to give us questions. We always appreciate those. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, or just the RSS feed. I already said that you were live there on YouTube, but you all subscribe to YouTube and like YouTube and comment on YouTube. And not just if you're a crazy Russian bot that is saying inappropriate things on there. I mean, we appreciate those too. And that's really what's been really hopping. But actual participation from other people is great, too. Not just during the show, but after the fact. We appreciate those, too. So subscribe. Never miss a show. Like, comment, share. All those wonderful, wonderful things. And the token phrase, smash the like button. Yes, I actually had to say it for once because some of you need to start. We're going to go right into UFC Vegas 16. Hermanson versus Latore. Why have Latore? Sorry. Big mistake on my (laughs) part. Latore. Latore is like his, I don't know, Sicilian brother that not everyone likes. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. We're right here. Um, we're gonna do quick results. Uh, we're gonna go back on a few uh, the bets that actually happened, the ones that didn't. Can't necessarily do a DraftKings review because obviously things imploded, and we will go to Mike and Gills for that. So we'll really review as much as like a him bearing yeah. his grievances, and we'll obviously have to hit the oh, so many finishes that happened. This and the, the amazing performance of Marvin Torres. So we'll get there, but I just want to read through the results of what happened. So Lewis Smolka minus one thirty-five got the round two TKO ground and pound against uh, Jose Alberto Quinones. Gabriel Benitez got a KO TKO knee to the body. It was almost like he was throwing a kick and just happened to land with the knee. Those ones are the most vicious because there's the most torque behind those. Ilya Teporia uh, got a TKO punches in the first round. Jimmy Flicks versus Cody Durden did not happen. Well, and... One quick thing, because I need to take a little diatribe here, and I want you guys to know that I've had the time of my life. And I know <laughs> I felt like this before, and yes, I swear it's the truth, and I owe it all to you. And that person I owe it to is Jordan Levette, because not only did he slam KO 
Matt Lyman in 20 seconds in another dimension. But then he subsequently decided to do the Dirty Dancing Leap Catch with his coach flawlessly. Flawlessly. And it was impressive. Like, I just, that, I'm not even mad. That was, like, that should have made a highlight reel on some type of ESPN something. I'm surprised it didn't. The next wasn't as good. Uh, Jake Collier got a name decision over John Volante and just uh, in a fight that happened. Um, uh, Evely Alves and Landwehr got canceled as well. Roman Delizzi, our lone bet that was actually happened on the fight because obviously the Durden fight didn't happen, cashed for two units for you guys. That Roman Delizzi was minus 190. We had him to win two. Uh, he won a split decision. And if you are not watching the video, you did not see me make my wonderful quote fingers. Uh, you could also tell in the audio when I stress, quote, fingers, and I say it that way. It's just uh, somehow someone, a, a horrible judge, uh, Chris Lee, I believe his name, gave yep. the fight to John Allen, which is, that's just awful. That's just awful. Um, we'll get back to that as well. Uh, Santos versus De La Rosa did not happen. Another cancellation. Again, we are in the apex. We need to go back to Fight Island. I'm excited that in the new year, they're going to be there for at least one of those wonderful three fight cards in a week situations that just I won't talk too bad on that until it happens. <laughs> Jamal Hill proved he's every bit the prospect and got a standing TK over Ovin St. Prue looked phenomenal. And Marvin Vittori got the unanimous decision over Jack Hermanson four to one, pretty much on anyone's scorecard that I saw, whether it be mine, the guys in on this show or people on Twitter, just about anybody. And he just looked utterly Phenomenal. Now, first off, I want to jump not quite all the way back, but we will go to the ridiculous slam KO and just, I mean, poor Matt Wyman and just got your uh, guys' opinions and the results on it. I'm going to start with Real Mike here. Real Mike, I want your opinion on what happened with the slam and just, I don't know, how, how your decision on all that, how you, how you feel about it. Yeah, um, the slam was super impressive, man. Uh, I loved every minute of it. I mean, when you get when you go in for a, a double leg or a single leg, well, with that one, it was literally full double leg, picked him up and walked him across the ring, kind of like uh, Matt Hughes. Uh, you can see, you know, when he went to slam him down, he also put his elbow into his throat to push his head down and make serious contact. So it's kind of weird to hear him say he wishes he didn't win like that when he Ooh. specifically went up to slam that motherfucker down on his head and whooped his ass so i absolutely loved it <clears throat> i thought it was awesome women didn't belong you know in the same league as him anyways so it was a perfect uh grand finale mortal combat finishing move yeah like uh just staying on that real quick this is something i was hoping we were going to touch on uh if you are one of these pearl clutching ninnies who are sitting here screaming like oh my god he knocked him out we have to outlaw that go watch tennis I have no time for you. That is the friend that you do not invite over just in case he becomes a fan of the sport. We don't need that in here. Like, seriously, what do you, uh, knockouts happen all the time in the sport. Let's ban punching. How about that? Matt Wyman, he could have put his, foot, his feet down at any single point across that cage walk to get out of being slammed, but he didn't because he's over the hill and he's probably super nervous, didn't know what he was doing. But, you know, for, no, <laughs> for no, it was impressive. But, yeah, keep slams in the sport. That's my new uh, slogan. That's 2024. Well, and I'm laughing because as we talked about before the show, and one of those pearl clutching ninnies happens to be the guy that actually executed the slam KO because since that, <laughs> that has come out saying that he wants them banned. But you know what? I will give it to him because of dirty dancing. That's literally <laughs> the reason I'm cool with that. <laughs> but okay, moving on. Um, just as a review and 
don't know, Mikey Gills, is there any other specific one you want to go over the fight before we go over the bet from this one and then wax poetic on the main event? Was there any ones that, like, uh, just spoke yeah. to you in a way? Well, yeah, so uh, three weeks ago, the first time that we broke down the uh, Luis Smolka Jose Quinones fight, uh, I had it right. I broke. I I was leaning Smolka in that time, and then at some point over the next two weeks, I talked myself out of it and was like, you know what? I see some stuff from this <laughs> guy. And we did then, the same uh, thing, dude. Don't worry. Me and Bob yeah. both were gonna bet Smolka last time. And then this mm-hmm. time we're like, nah, yeah. fuck that guy. We're gonna we don't double way cut. We're gonna stay away from it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just I tried to be, I tried to outsmart myself. It was like tin cup. My brain got in the way, but that's it. Sorry, I always appreciate any Kevin Costner movie yeah. reference. So we're right. gonna we're gonna go Great with that movie. one. <laughs> uh, Real Mike, I want your opinion on just how phenomenal Dalizzi looked throughout the entire fight. Again, I'm a little shocked at the split decision, but really everyone was. But in terms of the fight, how do you feel, Roman Dalizzi? Uh, I mean, I, I feel absolutely amazing about it. You know, to cash two units for the team after cashing last week. Now we're up three units after the last two shows. Um, Daldiz, he, he looked amazing. The only thing that I didn't like was that he, he didn't take it as seriously as he should the entire time. I think that's why you have the little lapses on the judges where they just do the crazy shit. No excuse for those judges to be like so far out there because that specific judge has been on the wrong side of these cards like the last three events. He's absolutely horrendous. He should have to sit down in front of the post fight press conference and answered to some you know of these things at least give us an excuse or on why the hell he saw it that way but you know it'll never happen like that when big money rules all um but like i said Daldiz, great performance i had him winning it clearly there was it was unanimous in my opinion but you know those judges are freaking shady as could be mike gills any thoughts on the decision i mean there's uh, mike just covered it all what can you say it's horrible uh, it's it's terrible that people imagine if there was just one other person who was either stupid or paid off that's <laughs> their career is on the balance there's no other excuse for it chris lee i think i saw the graphic that they put up seven of the last 10 split decisions he was the uh the odd man out on those you can't have that it's it's on un, it's unreasonable yeah he picked paul felder <laughs> yeah Sorry. yeah you're right for those of you who didn't hear the audible snicker that i just had on that that was that one was rough um I just want to quick talk about Jamal Hill's performance before we move on to the main event, only because uh, I remember us talking about it and me really liking Jamal Hill here. But like, this is one of our rules: we do not put anything, any money, or any pick involved in Ovin St. Prue fight because of just Ovin St. Prue weird stuff can happen. I mean, I guess maybe that's starting to fade. But Jamal Hill looked awesome. He actually used his reach uh, that Mike Gills was talking about and just like landing straight shots and. I mean, I'm happy the ref stopped the fight. I mean, sometimes refs will refuse to stop the fight if the guy is still standing. But I mean, Open State Pro was like, he wasn't defending. He was just eating shots there against the cage. And I don't know, Jamal Hill looked fantastic. Uh, either of you, either of you can hop in for how you think about Jamal Hill. Uh, yeah, uh, we were all pretty high on him last week. You know, I, like I said, at Best Fight Picks, uh, one of the other podcasts I like the most, Dan Levy, uh, super high on Jamal Hill, uh, has known him personally. Uh, was so high on him in the fact that he was this caliber of a fighter. It actually persuaded me uh, to pick him as uh, to win the fight. Like I said, OSP is OSP. You never know what you're going to get. I said that last week, you know. It is it is what it is, but Jamal Hill was absolutely phenomenal, man. His ceiling, to me, is so high now. He's super young, super good takedown defense, good striking, good length and range. Um, kind of remind you know, people say this a lot, but I, he kind of reminds me of a, a skinnier John Jones, you know, smaller um very rangy and just all around well good game so shout out to best fight picks dan levy for uh calling that like no one's business 
Uh, no, the only thing that I would add on to that is uh, I, we keep talking about it week after week. The future for light heavyweight and heavyweight both are looking really good, and he's one of the reasons why for 205. Uh, just a lot of young up-and-coming talent in those divisions that are ready to take over and kick out the old guard. Now hopping over there to the main event, well, what ended up being the main event, Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori, I think... He put a lot of people on notice for how good he actually is. And I am so angry. But, I mean, it's standing rule. Um, I will, full disclosure, Real Mike wanted this as a bet. He wanted Marvin Vittori. And I talked about on the show that two things that's, well, three things that scared me away is uh, jumping the weight cut a week early so that he could fight because he was supposed to be fighting this coming weekend. That was one. Uh, Two was main events. We typically don't do very well with main events. And three was the pricing. I'm like, how is he... Like, If he was a dog, I would have picked... If he was the plus 115, he was going to be a pick. But just all of those things, just like this whole... like Apparently, this whole double weight cut thing that I think affects everybody, apparently doesn't affect people because... Mar- or an early weight cut because Marvin Vittori looked awesome. Lucas Smoka looked better than he has. And like, I don't even know. That was the entire reason I didn't bet him the second time around. I mean, I made some money because I had him. Uh, fight doesn't go to the distance with that because it was plus money between those two and both those guys will go for a finish so i mean mike was very much on the right side here i mean i, I was too i just like i couldn't bet it with everything else going into it and oh man i am green with jealous rage over all the people that <laughs> actually did because he looked phenomenal i mean I, I still would have thought he probably would have gotten the finish um he did land a lot and i mean jack Hermanson landed a lot of claws the face and eye region <laughs> so they, uh, they call that the stinger <laughs> not allowed to use that no more. So, Mikey Gills, your thoughts on the main event there? Yeah, all right. So, um, my reason for picking Hermanson was pretty simple: is that I had seen Vittori fade in fights before. So, imagine my excitement four minutes into round two when I see Vittori start to slow down. Mm-hmm. Hermanson starts to put on that pressure, and then going into the third round, where Vittori just basically wasn't really fighting as much anymore. And I am just—if we're all in the same group chat with everyone who watches the fights—I said mm-hmm. Vittori is gas with like 17 S's. I was so happy, ready to gloat, ready. To... And then the fourth round happened, <laughs> and Vittori came out like, "Oh, y'all must have forgot." Just fresh as a oh, killed me. But uh, no, I mean, it was a good fight. They both landed a lot of strikes on each other. Uh, uh, it was a history-making fight as far as fights, uh, str- as far as strikes landed, I believe. Mm-hmm. But a uh, hell of a fight. Hermanson, he didn't look bad, I don't think, uh, Vittori. But mm-hmm. it's like what you said earlier. A lot of eyes were open for me. I now do also view Vittori as one of those top guys who's going to be, you know, maybe part of that future we were just talking about. Real Mike. The guy yeah, that man. you wanted. I mean, you're wrong. The guy you got still cash, so it really doesn't matter. But, like, you were right. I'm giving you full mm-hmm. credit. Um, this was would have been a great play. No words. Scared it's off because of all the X factors. It's a good lesson for the fans that we don't fire for no reason. We don't fire, you know, just because we want to. We don't fire because we don't have a bet. We we fire when we we really feel confident about something, and we also have some rules that we like to stick to. The fact that we stick to those rules show you that we're we're pretty professional in the way that we go about things to keep a bankroll around. So. Uh, as much as I hated the fact that we didn't get to pick him as a bet, um, I, I still called it out on the show. I said that his jiu-jitsu would be equal to Jack Hermanson, and that's all Jack Hermanson had to offer. And then also that Jack Hermanson would get pieced up on the feet, and that's how he got knocked down on his ass in round one. So uh, it is what it is. I hope that some of the people from the show cash that bet because I was on fire this card. Uh, I almost called every single one of them, and I just hope some of you guys uh, hit him. Well, that's why I'm like me and uh, Real Mike talk about um, not to exclude Mike Gills, but this is just in reference to betting. 
that because I mean, I know he got completely screwed this week and we'll talk about that after this next statement I say is um, if you want a little bit more action, we do usually not, not always, but occasionally there's secondary bets that are on whether it posted on Twitter or whatever. Like, and this one I ended up with, well, Durden got canceled. So originally I was going to have four bets for this one, even though we only give out two on the show, two were from the show. And then I had Quinones straight. And then the fight doesn't go to distance. Obviously the Quinones one didn't pan out, but since doesn't go to distance was plus money, it still ended up overall adding more to it. So it's like, if you want more action, we usually, sometimes there's more, uh, if you follow us on Twitter or any of the awesome articles that get shared for the MMA for money, uh, Twitter account or just for the web page because if you actually go to the website there's there's prop breakdowns or specific stuff it's not just from us it's from other guys and you know eventually we're going to make Mikey Gills write up stuff on there too so that's why <laughs> but, you guys have my email so tricky just, just tricky, <laughs> tricky hey man I used to have an account on there and I used to write fight breakdowns too before there was like the show so this is just easier communicatively fair enough I, I, I struggled through that word so I'm, I'm happy that we're just communicating past it um so Mikey Gills, I know it got completely fell out. And yeah. this is gonna be our risk going forward, uh, being in Vegas. So awesome that we only have well technically two more events in Vegas before we have th- at least three at Fight Island. Yeah. So I know that's sucks for you because you almost have to have like backup lines and, and what have you. But how like how late were so, you finally like I can't do anything? <laughs> so here's here's how here's how my saga for the night went. I was putting together IKEA furniture, a nice little cabinet shelf for our kitchen, and I was <laughs> using the start the start of the uh, the fights at seven o'clock as my get out of doing anything card. Um, and around six forty ish, maybe I don't know. I, I became aware that like I, what was it? I think three fights had dropped off instantly, like at the same exact time. So had to just completely haul ass and overhaul every single lineup I had. It ended up working out. Um, it's too bad it wasn't an official one because I ended up just out of sheer panic throwing the same lineup out and it scored 523 points straight across the board. Yeah, good, good night for me, but it wasn't an official one. So I can't just, I, can't, I didn't give it out beforehand. So I can't sit here and say like, oh, da, da. but Damn. anyway, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I forgot what I was saying, but yeah, the furniture got put together. Unfortunately, I had to stay up and do it. Uh, the fights were very short. We, I think, what did we end up with? Like eight of them? Just whatever. I think so. But yeah, so no. Um, we're, but anyway, the point of this whole thing is we are riding a streak now. We're back in the money and we're bringing it into this week. Let's go. <laughs> well, speaking of going into this week, we're going to jump into the last pay-per-view of the year. Not last fight card of the year, but last pay-per-view of the year. UFC 256, Figueredo versus Moreno. We're jumping up with... Uh, Little Eminem fan there that is Chase Hooper. He is back at it after completely whiffing, completely whiffing his last time out because he fancied himself a striker, even though he's he's not. And here's hoping all of the joking fight pass shows with uh, Ben Askren have actually taught him some wrestling, so we can get it down to go to the jujitsu's that he's so good at. He's fighting against Peter Barrett plus three fifteen, Mike Gills to start us right off. Where are you for Hooper versus Barrett and where yeah. are you DraftKings-wise? Yeah, so start off with Chase Hooper, 9-1-1, one, one, three knockouts, four subs, $9,300 on DraftKings, a lot of believers. Coming off that loss, you were just talking about the Bruce Leroy back in uh, June. Stylistically, primarily a grapper. He looks to clinch up and get uh, go for the takedown, work from there. Stand up, like you were talking about, a work in progress. You could see when he was on Dana White's Contender Series back in the day, 
Not a whole lot has changed. He still blocks punches with his brain. Not the best idea. So stick with the strategy that he's doing. Like you just said, he's been spending a lot of time with Ben Askren, that long-running joke about them being father and son. And as long as his striking is a work in progress, that's a good guy that you need to have in your corner. Not really in his corner, but in his corner, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, he can still be outstruck. And I'm not sure that that's going to be a problem in this match. And here's why. Going up against Pete Barrett, 11-4, $6,900 on DraftKings. And look, this time of year, I'm very busy. So I get annoyed when I have to research fighters and I see certain things. We're going to talk about that. This man has 10 wins. Only four of those 10 opponents had winning records. And because I hate free time, I went ahead and did the math for you guys. Do you want to know the combined records of his 10 opponents or the 10 wins on his record? Yep. Yep. 61 and 135. Awesome. Okay? Those are the combined records of the 10 people that he's Dude, beaten. Dude, that's like 60%. That's solid. <laughs> <laughs> Yoel Romero is cut from the UFC, but we have room for slippery Pete Barrett. Chase Hooper is going to win this. Spoiler alert. Yeah, um, this one is, is, you know, Chase Hooper's stand-up is, is absolutely garbage. I, I'm not going to fucking try to front at all. His stand-up is fucking horrific. It looks like a 17-year-old boy trying to put his dukes up uh, versus a man. <laughs> Um, he, he's, he, if Barrett keeps his fight standing, he's absolutely going to fuck Chase Hooper's face up. But, uh, I have a thing that in MMA, the fight hits the ground and the longer, taller jujitsu artist is, is not, is not something to fuck with, man. I mean, I hate when the guy's longer and has my back or has me on the ground. Um, somehow they were able to pull off shit that I can't when I'm shorter. So, um, I think that Barrett is going to have a shit show of a time on the ground. I think that Hooper is going to get him down and he's going to be able to submit him, especially with that help with Ben Askren in the wrestling department. I mean, uh, Ben Askren's a joke in, in MMA now, but he's no joke with wrestling. When he gives you some wrestling pointers on a single leg, double leg, uh, single leg turn and dump, whatever it may be, you take those pointers and you run with them. Uh, I expect his takedowns to be absolutely tremendous this time. Uh, he, he wasn't that bad before. It wasn't it wasn't that wrestling base, but if he implements Ben Askren type uh, takedowns, he could definitely get this fight to the ground, and he should submit Peter Barrett quite easily. Well, and that's that's the hard thing here, and that's when I'm obviously like. Hooper's huge favorite. Uh, he has the name recognition, and this seems this is a huge step down uh, from his last fight against Bruce Leroy. He should win, but his ground game there, the wrestling, eh, striking, not so much. But like, I mean, I hope he's not learning striking from Ben Askren because then that wouldn't <laughs> help him at all either. <laughs> no yeah, to Ben Askren. Um, I, sorry, I can't. I need Hooper to show me something more and show that. I mean, he's such a young fighter. That's another hard part. Is he's so young that he has the opportunity to make such huge strides in between fights, where, like we like we said, if he's on the feet, Peter Barrett might take him out, and he's a huge underdog plus three fifteen uh, right now. Um, I thought I had the prop up for him inside the distance, but even plus three fifteen is just is just ridiculous. So it's like I mean, it'd be worth maybe a flyer on that just a little bit, but. I want Hooper to win. I like his shtick, like everything about it. I like like the I like the fact that he looks like young Screech. I love the fact that he's really good on the ground. I love the fact that he's like weird and obsessed with like M and M's and like all of this additional stuff. And kind of weird, the UFC has picked him up and said to move on with him. But I'm a I'll put it this way: I'm a fan of his type of content. 
Now, will that turn into an actual good UFC fighter? I do not know. So I'm, I'm pick is Hooper, but you know how much I'm a fan of chaos. So, I mean, Barrett might just very well get this KO. So if you're feeling squirrely, go with that. Next up, Sergey Spivak, minus 235 versus Jared Vendera, plus 195 on him. Real Mike Spivak versus Vendera. Sorry about that. Um, Spivak versus Madera. Uh, this this fight's really weird to me. I, I don't have like the the greatest look on this one because I I, I honestly I, I really don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about neither of these guys. Spivak garbage, absolutely <laughs> I, shitty. Shouldn't be in the UFC. The other guy, I don't really know enough about to even talk shit about him. But I just know that Spivak's so bad that if you're fighting him, you should probably win. But uh, I, I, bro, I, I hate both. I hate this match. Period. It's much like the MMA, ma- the women MMA matches that I just am disgusted with. So, uh, if I had to pick one, just like off the top of my head, um, I'd say Spivak. But I, I no way I'm fucking saying that. So I'm gonna go with the underdog uh, Vanderera. Okay. Um, all right then. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start off with Spivak. Uh, Eleven and three, two knockouts, six subs, going for eighty-eight hundred dollars on DraftKings. Two and two since coming to the UFC, most recently beating Carlos Felipe in a fight that I don't remember because it was on my birthday. Uh, so shout out to Spivak for that win. Anyway, uh, does his best work, I, I think, when he's in close, likes to push his opponents, gets caged. He throws from the inside really well. Uh, really dangerous on the ground, too, particularly off his back. He can snatch up an arm, throw up a try, do whatever he needs to do. Uh, going up against Jared Bandera, 11 and four, seven knockouts, three subs, 7,400 on DraftKings. He's making his UFC debut after winning on Dana White's Contender Series just over a month ago. I went back and I watched a few of this guy's fights. He's a uh, he's a really patient striker, uh, and by that, like I mean, like he doesn't really throw a whole lot. Likes to stay on the outside. What he do what he does do well is he throws a ton of leg kicks. Uh, he uses them to keep his opponents at distance, and he throws he throws really heavy with them. Actually, like that is one thing that he does pretty well. He uses his size. He's got big reach. He uses all that to keep him out of trouble. But again, the kicks are one of the biggest parts of a stand up game that I saw. Once he hurts you with kicks, he does like to uh, throw his opponents down. And he a guy anybody his size is going to be pretty nasty from the top. So, looking at that matchup, like, Vandera does have a style that can be a problem for Spivak if he's allowed to stay at range and throw those kicks. He's taller, he's longer. You can soften up anybody if you land on him enough. But Spivak can fight at range, too. And like, but he, he doesn't even need to. He gets, he's good in close. He can push his opponents against the cage, fight dirty, get him down and work for subs. I, I think that's probably what ends up happening here. So, I'm going to take Spivak, and I like him by submission. Told my thunder on that one. I was just gonna basically just go Spivak sub and did a mic drop, but I mean, I guess I have to say something <laughs> now. No, I'm not. It, it, give me any a relatively athletic heavyweight with a submission game, and anybody outside of the top ten, top fifteen, I'm gonna pick them every time. And that's this scenario. Uh, I do think Spivak is gonna get us up here against Vendera, and that's really all I got on that one. Uh, the next one's a little bit tricky uh, in terms of betting because um, <laughs> Tisha Torres was supposed to fight. Uh, Angela Hill. Angela Hill tested positive, uh, so she's out. And now we have a last-minute replacement. I'm talking about crazy last-minute replacement. Sam Hughes. That's a lady. Um, <laughs> there's no odds on this. I've been refreshing Man. this whole time, and I will keep refreshing throughout the entire show. So if odds do come up, I will say them. Uh, but as of right now, there are still no odds. Obviously, we've lost a few fights on here, and a couple have been shuffled around. But as of right now, no odds whatsoever. So actually, I'm going to go to Mike Gills first because I'm. Here, are there DraftKings pricing on this one? Uh, yes, there are, and I'm. I'm glad you're coming to me first because I'm disgusted. Um, <laughs> we're going to start off with Sam Hughes, seventy-three hundred dollars on DraftKings. I got to throw some numbers at you guys. 
She's five and one as a pro. Sounds impressive so far. So hold on to that because that's as good as it gets. Give him the records. Give him the records. It's never going to get that good again. Her first three opponents of her career were 0-0. She did not fight an opponent with a professional record until January of this year. And now she's in the UFC fighting Tisha Torres. Like She's one and one with anyone who has more than three wins. Uh, she's listed as having a kickboxing background. You guys follow me on Twitter. I posted some of her kickboxing fights earlier. Holy shit. Did you guys watch those by any chance? I watched the first one. Okay. The, the Tybo videos? No, not even Tybo. Billy Blanks would have none of that. Okay, like these well, girls. Billy Blanks look, don't play that. We all know yeah, that. Billy Blanks has nothing. Uh, uh, just, it's like a really low cut tank top. Like yeah. a really low cut tank top she is so she looks so bad like again what are we doing yoel romero's cut marab is getting fights canceled because they're non-competitive but she's gonna go up against tisa torres uh who's like look not the greatest fighter in the world i'll admit that but she doesn't suck either she's losing to people like andraj on jacek willie zang those are top fighters but like i don't know like the only way for me to look at this is for DraftKings. And I have to think that Tisha Torres, someone who I believe has only finished one fighter in her entire career, if she is going to finish anybody, it is going to be Sam Hughes. So I, against all reasoning, I like Tisha Torres on DraftKings. I forgot to write down her price. It's somewhere in the 80s, like 8,700 on DraftKings, maybe even 89. But I, I still like her in this fight. She's going to beat this girl. Yeah, easily. Tisha Torres is such an OG veteran. I mean, last time out, she you know performed really well, a lot better than even a lot of her other pro performances. So she's getting more vicious. She's putting more volume on. She's definitely throwing more combos. She, she looks a lot better than she used to. She should fuck Sam Hughes up badly. There is no fucking way that she should not absolutely dominate this girl. Um, I really think she is going to finish her. If she doesn't, it's pathetic that you know that the other girl in LFA finished her from an inverted triangle, but Tisha Torres can't piece her up on the feet and then put her on the ground and submit her ass. So uh, I think that it's quite easily the best opportunity for Tisha Torres to whoop some ass and get a submission or a, a TKO KO. Uh, I think that you are stupid as fuck if you don't put her in your DraftKings lineup, you don't bet on her. I mean, if the number is crazy high, then don't do it. But DraftKings-wise, that number looked money to me because uh, there were some people last week that were worth more that lost so i think that uh tisha torres is absolute lock here gonna show this girl about the ufc caliber women's mma juliana lima that's the finish that tisha torres has she got her by rear naked choke in the second round on 7 7 17 nice because <laughs> since you said you think she had one finish, yeah. I want to throw it there. Since I had time to look, at, I didn't know that off the top of my head. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't know all of Tisha Torres's finishes. Even though there was only one, I would have told her she didn't have any. But also, uh, I just confirmed it. It was 8900. I just looked it up. Oh, that's sorry. Um, because <laughs> here, here's my thing with Tisha Torres. Um, in this fight specifically, uh, when she's not fighting someone of the caliber, is she uses her kickboxing to get to takedowns and gets control it's like that it it could be just rinse repeat of that and she'll score big because it's like she'll land at distance she'll close it in she'll take it down there will be some type of sloppy transition and either they'll get back up and she'll rinse and repeat so high volume takedowns plus some strikes at distance and they'll all be significant or in one of those awkward transitions she'll get us up She'll get on the back or something. I, I do think she has the best chance of getting a finish here than she has in the last, well, since 2017. So 
obviously no brainer pick here. I mean, obviously these odds are going to be ridiculous. Like if she does, she's probably going to open at like minus three fifty minimum and just get parlayed up the wazoo. Yes, I used that phrase. It happened. We're moving on. And so yeah, still no odds. Again, I will keep checking throughout the show, but as of right now, still no. Next up, and actually, good fight, good one. Um, the actual first person to vanquish the alpha ginger, Billy Quarantillo, minus fifty five. First, Gavin Tucker plus one thirty five. Real Mike, if you bought Billy Q versus Gavin Tucker. Uh, yeah, this fight is going to be a really good one, in my opinion. Uh, Billy Quarantino, he's got, he's, a, you know, has a, a professional boxing record. His boxing super clean. I, I like how straight he punches. Gavin Tucker, though, jujitsu is really good too. So I, I'm, I don't, I haven't seen enough from Billy Quarantino to know about his takedown defense of the upper echelon. Uh, not saying that Gavin Tucker is that upper, but he's still here in the UFC, and I haven't seen a lot of fights out of Billy Quarantino. Um, but I like the boxing of uh, Billy Quarantino. I, I think that he uses his uh, length well with his jabs and his punching, and so I, I think that if Tucker can get this to the ground, he'll have an, a somewhat of an advantage. But I just I, I really like Billy Quarantino's boxing and his crisp punching. Uh, yeah, I'll stay. I'll stick on uh, Billy Quarantino. Fifteen and two, seven knockouts, five subs, going for eighty five hundred on DraftKings. Uh, just right away, I wanted to talk about his, uh, his height and reach. He's got a four-inch height and reach advantage in this fight, which could play out huge. Uh, stylistically, he's a bit of a slow starter, but if you look at the way he fights, that kind of looks like it's baked into his overall game. Like, he does have that good pace. You were just talking about the Spike Carlisle fight. Like, that's what he did in that fight is he kind of slow, slowly in the first round, and then he beat up Spike Carlisle, and he was the first part. He was the first person to make me go like, oh, I'm never betting Spike Carlisle again. I wish I would have took the advice then. Uh, but anyway, going uh, moving right along to uh, Gavin Tucker. Uh, 12 and one, four knockouts, six subs, going for $7,700 on DraftKings. Three and one since entering the UFC. He's won his last two straight. Stylistically, I mean, he is a he's a, a pretty well-rounded fighter all around. I mean, uh, in this fight, you look at the way he fights. He's going to have the speed advantage on the feet. I, I, he's got the bigger arsenal. He throws more kicks. He has good head, uh, good head movement. And against a guy like Billy Q, who's got that height and reach advantage that we were just talking about, he's going to need to kind of you know be on his in and out game. The other thing I wanted to talk about is his wrestling game. If these rounds are close at the very end and you just need to do it, he does have the ability to take Q down and maybe just kind of squeak out around like that. For me, I think this fight comes down to Gavin Tucker and just having the, the more well-rounded striking game. He throws really good kicks to go along with his punches. Uh, and that, to me, is really the main difference. I trust both of their gas tanks. I, 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 trust, I, I trust both of them on the ground. Billy Q, obviously, he's nobody to mess with down there either. Um, uh, it's close for me. I don't really have the strongest lean, but if you put a gun to my head, Tucker, and with his price on DraftKings, 7700 I do think he is a very live underdog on DraftKings. So 7700 Gavin Tucker, I do like him a lot in this fight. Or not, not, I, I like the lean, but I like him a lot as an underdog is how I should have worded that. That's true, especially because on DraftKings, you need underdogs, whereas yeah. in terms of betting, you don't have to go on underdog if you don't want to. Um, for this fight, I, I lean Billy Q. Uh, just in general, I like his his style uh, better. I like the reach. Uh, I like how he can pour it on, and he can just take a hellacious beating and keep going. Uh, I don't necessarily know if Gavin Tucker is as tough as Billy Q. Um I, I could see how it's an underdog play. I mean, quick pick, I just guess I, I guess Billy Q, but I, I don't have a heavy lean on this one. So if either of the other guys said something that more 
speaks to you go that way. But like, I'm actually surprised uh, at the price in this one. I know for a little while it was a pick em, and I pretty much agreed with that. It really just kind of depends. Uh, I like how Gavin Tucker can be early, especially if he can keep uh, Quarantillo from establishing, establishing his distance and his jab. Uh, later, uh, Quarantillo will pour it on, so could be a close decision. And in a close decision, you kind of want to be on the dog side, almost always. So next up, Mackenzie Dern, minus 190 versus Verna Jandaroba, plus 165. Mikey Gills, how you feeling? Yeah, I guess uh, Mackenzie Dern, 9-1, six subs, three decisions, 8,700 on DraftKings, going up against Werner Jandaroba, 7,500 on DraftKings. Uh, this fight, obviously, two great grapplers. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, is. I think she's on record saying that Verna is going to be the best grappler that she's ever faced. And, like, you look at Mackenzie Dern's last couple opponents, Verna's not going to be the type to stick her leg back into a position where it's going to get subbed. She's not going to she's not going to be completely outmatched and go for a takedown anyway. Like I think Hannah Slipers did a while ago. We were making fun of her on the show. Um, I guess this fight comes down. Obviously Mackenzie Dern's black belt is going to be different than anyone else's black belt, especially in the women's division. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that uh, Mackenzie Dern is a high level striker. Neither of these girls are high level strikers, but what I do like about Mackenzie Dern is something that we talked about in her last fight is she's been working with Jason Perillo and she's aggressive. She's also a little bit bigger in this fight. So, you put together all these little things that you can stack up. And I think on the scales, it just starts to lean Mackenzie Dern. I think with the pressure that she puts on the way that she throws her strikes, she puts a lot of power into him as well. I think Perillo is going to have something for her, something to go against Verna. So I'm going to lean Mackenzie Dern in this fight at 8,700 though, man, Mackenzie Dern does finish a lot of fights, but on DraftKings there, I think there's other people you can get in that price range. So for me, kind of a stay away, but yeah. Yeah, on this matchup, uh, you know, I don't, I don't trust Dern striking. I, I think that it's absolutely horrendous uh, for being, uh, you know, in the professional fighting in the UFC. So, uh, uh, it, man, I, I still don't think that uh, Mackenzie Dern is UFC caliber. I, I even, I think I picked Hannah Cyphers to do more damage than she did last time, and she was doing decent until she put herself in a bad position. <laughs> so, like you said, Jandaroba isn't going to do that, I don't feel. Uh, I also feel like uh, Jandarobia's, I feel like a striking edge is there. But with Jason Prilla, you know, maybe helping Dern, it could be iffy. So, I mean, I wouldn't bet this fight. I'm not, I definitely, um, I don't feel confident laying the money on Dern. So I, I would go with the dog Jandaroba on this one. Not for the show. I, I clarify that. Specifically, I have to clarify that. But personally, I'm going to bet Jandaroba. That's not going to be an official pick for the show because we always go with our most confident pick for the show. It's not my most confident pick, but I will likely bet Jandaroba. Keep an eye on my Twitter just to make sure. I usually post those on Friday or Saturday. The last time Dern faced like anybody with remotely similar ground skills as Jandaroba was Amanda Rebus. She lost that fight. And Dern... Like many jujitsu people, they go through a evolutionary phase. Um, Damian Maya is like the perfect archetype for this, but they all follow it. I'm really, really good at jujitsu. I'm going to stick with jujitsu. I'm only going to fight jujitsu. Oh no, I've lost to someone else that has a little bit more wrestling than me and whatever. Okay. I'm going to fall in love with my hands. That, that's step two. Mackenzie's Dern is starting to move into that category. I mean, she's with Jason Perillo, so like her hands are going to be coming along, but you learn the offense first, not the defense. So she's going to start to fall in love with her striking. She was able to like 
she has positive outcomes. Like she's knocked people down with her striking, but it's it's looping. It's not great. So she, I think she's still in the stage of I'm in love with my striking. And the third phase is obviously I'm going to get better at wrestling to incorporate with my jiu-jitsu to bring the game there and only use the striking to get to that stage. Like it, it's a fully functional thing that ends up with where uh, Damian Maya was at 170 where he was crushing people until eventually just kind of age kind of caught up to him. But she's not in that phase yet. She's in the, hey, I have some power in my hands. I don't feel completely uncomfortable throwing. I can hit mitts. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start throwing, and she's not gonna be able to throw up the hail mary subs here. So I like Jandaroba actually in this one. I, I will pick her for this fight, and I will more than likely bet her. I am waiting because I do think that number is gonna go up, and I am. I only need to lock in a bet for this show on the one I'm most confident in. So I could wait, and I might be able to get plus two hundred and uh, Jandaroba. I think for sure. I think I can get one eighty especially like as it gets later in the week, especially with more and more fights falling off and everything like that. So I'm going to pick Jandaroba, likely going to better. I do think so. still think it's going to go to decision. Um, yeah. Even though I do see Dern gassing out pretty bad towards the end of the fight. But I mean, I, I still don't think it's going to result in a finish because I don't think Jandaroba kind of has really has that power. And I think Dern will be able to defending it, subs and attack. And either, either way, um, going with Jandaroba, talking way too much on this fight. Moving on. <laughs> it tends to be what happens. All, at least this one's probably going to have a bet. Usually I talk too much on a fight that has nothing to do with a bet or anything like that. And then all of a sudden it's like 10 minutes later and I've wasted all of your guys' time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm already like back watching the Ravens game. That's, hey, dude, <laughs> hey. Go sports ball. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For any of you who do not remember or do not know, I'm not a big stick and ball sports person. So basically movie references, comic references, and fighting. That's my wheelhouse. And, and, and wheelhouse. I basically do those like three things. And that's about it. So uh, moving on to just a weird fight. Um, Cub Swanson is still fighting. Uh, plus 135 versus Daniel Pineda. Minus 155. Real Mike. Killer Cub versus Daniel Pineda. Yeah, man, uh, this is a weird one, man. Uh, it, it feels like the Cubs being set up for some younger, like, up-and-coming star, but it's not. Pineda's old. He's, he's almost the same age as uh, Cub Swanson, right? Is he 35? 34? I don't know we'll his age. I was, I was he's, shaking my head. He's, he's, not as young, he's not as young as, you know, you would think he would be versus uh, Cub Swanson coming in here. Uh, a lot of people don't know Daniel Pineda, so this is going to be just a, a weird one because a lot of people want to fade Cub Swanson. I don't think that Pineda is is the dude, bro. I mean, Cub Swanson's been in this game a long time. He's been swinging, he's been throwing them for a long time with some of the best fighters there are. Um, I, I just, I really think that uh, this is a spot where Cub Swanson could possibly win this fight with his uh, veteran savvy skills. Um, the fact that they're both not, you know, spring chickens. I, I think that this is finally one of the times where the Cub Swanson's a little bit closer than uh, some of the fights he's been in. So. I'm going to go with Cub Swanson here because the OG versus the, the other guy or newer guy, I always pick that. So I'm going to go with Cub Swanson via experience, but uh, I, I'm not going to bet this. So I was shaking my head in agreement with the first part of your sentence where you're like, he's being set up to lose. I was like, yeah. And then you're at the younger guy and I was still shaking my head and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, I don't know Daniel Pineda's age. So that's why you said that. I was like, oh, shit, I don't know. 35. Anyway. I looked it up. <laughs> Cub is 37. Pineda is 35. All right, well, fair enough. So uh, just I'll give the DraftKings uh, salaries out real quick. Cub Swanson's at 7,900, Daniel Pineda at 8,300. What it comes down to for me is a guy like Cub Swanson, 
He's lost four of his last six. The only two wins he's had along that were over the GOAT, Artem Lobov, and then a really uh, a, a close decision against Karun Gracie. Like, sometimes it's age. Sometimes it's a particular fight. In you know, his case, it might be that war he had with Duho Choi. It was back in, like, 2016, 2017, somewhere back then. But, uh, yeah, at some point, fighters just don't have it anymore, and Cub Swanson might be at that stage. Going up against Daniel Pineda, like we were saying, uh, you know, one of the first guys to ever make me look stupid on this show, uh, we bet, uh, I think, Mike, you also with me bet him to get smashed by Herbert Burns and the exact opposite. He smashed Herbert Burns. Uh, yeah. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a beast on the ground. Like uh, the, the real question for this is back to back to man, Cub Swanson. Just, is it the fact that he's losing to all those top guys that are mixed in between Crone Gracie and Artem Lobov? Or is it that he's a 37 year old fighter who was, who's been around forever. We know my rule in the show. I don't bet guys that lose on fuel TV. It's even harder to bet guys that were on uh, versus. So for right now, man, Pineda 8,300 on DraftKings. I think he's going to get this win. You look at Cub Swanson, the way he's been losing the guys, he's been losing the guys who can dominate him on the ground. He's been subbed twice in that stretch. We were just talking about, I, I just, man, it hurts to say Pineda at 8,300. Yeah. I don't like Cub Swanson in this fight. But he's only 7,900. He's a vet. He knows how to win fights. If you find yourself in a position, maybe throw some money on him in DraftKings. But for me, it's Pineda at 8,300. Don't bet this fight. Well, if it will make you feel better about picking Pineda, um, I wouldn't bet this fight personally. And the specific reason is, in terms of skill, I think Swanson is better. In terms of wear and tear, I think Swanson's worse. So (laughs) I would lean Pineda mainly because what everyone always forgets or doesn't know is right after the Crown Gracie fight, two months after he was in a grappling competition with Jake Shields and Jake Shields blew out his knee, just straight blew out Cub Swanson's knee. It's the reason he hasn't fought since, well, the the grappling bout was last December and the fight with Crown Gracie was over a year ago because torn basically everything in his knee. Like he had, he had the Tiago Santos knee going on. Thing was holding on by a thread. And this is his first fight back from that. So first fight back after about a year. That's a great, that's a great point, Bob. I didn't even think it'd be your company. Yeah. (laughs) And not a good one. And he's not even moonlighting at Jackson Wink really anymore. He's all training up in his own spot and pretty much has been for the last few years. And I, I'm not going to bet Pineda because he's the favorite. Like, if he was the dog here, I'd be like, hey, I got an angle here. But I don't know, man. I can't see Swanson doing much, and I don't see Pineda doing much in the future. So this is in terms of, hey, the UFC's cutting 60-plus guys. Loser of this. Consider yourself cut, pretty much. That's I mean, they're, they're fighting for a job. That, that, that's pretty much what's going on here. Uh, next up, we have... It's been a theme in probably the last calendar year. I don't know if it's like the theme of 2020, especially for in terms of MMA, but this is the sad fight of the week. <laughs> <laughs> last week, before the fight even, I said the sad fight of the week was going to be Matt Wyman. And for Matt Wyman, that was really sad. So the sad fight for this week um, is JDS versus Cyril Gane. And JDS, Junior Santos, plus 335, the one-time heavyweight champion, is fighting Cyril Gane, who, sorry, everyone stop saying he's a training partner of Francis Ngannou. They trained at the same gym and maybe trained, like, twice. They're not, like, buddies. They're not training partners. They just trained at the same gym at some point. 
But I get the connection. They're both gigantic, muscular black men. I get it. But other than that, and the fact that they both hit hard, that's really all they got. I mean, Cyril Gane's got his fantastic chest tattoo. Francis Ngannou doesn't. So, like, there's a difference right there. <laughs> Junior Dos Santos is the aged veteran that still has a lot of the skills, other than the fact that he slowed down, but can't quite take the shot anymore. But before I go, go too far into it, um, I'm going to go with Mike Gills for Junior Dos Santos versus Cyril Gane. Let's start off. Junior DeSantos, 21 and 8, 13 knockout, three subs, going for 7,000 on DraftKings, going up against Cyril Ghani, Gain, whatever, however we want to pronounce that. 6 and 0, two knockouts, three subs, 9,200 on DraftKings. So we're going to do this breakdown a little bit differently. If you are listening to this, I want you to close your eyes. We are going to go on a trip, all right? We are going to go all the way back to 2008 when Dana White put out a video blog before an event. And it showed a young newcomer to the UFC who was hitting pads in such a terrifying way that it changed the betting line against his fight against Fabrizio Verdum. Can you see it? Can you see it? Good. Now look to the left at the calendar. That was 12 years ago. Woo! Man. To me, this fight basically comes down to the whole, the experience level of Cyril Gain. Gone, whatever. As impressive as he has looked, and he has looked impressive, he has never faced anyone even close to the level of boxing skill or skill in the UFC as Junior DeSantos. There is a huge difference between fighting Tanner Bozer or fighting Dante Mays. Uh, not only is Junior DeSantos a great boxer, he has a legit pedigree with uh, jiu-jitsu as well. But with that being said, Junior DeSantos is not even close to the fighter that he used to be. And there is a strategy to beat him. It's called Alistair Overeem syndrome. You put him against the cage, he forgets how to fight, and all of a sudden you touch him once, he falls over, big man go out. So, with that in mind, I am going to pick Cyril Gane to win this fight, but I'm here for DraftKings purposes. I don't know for a fact that Cyril Gane is going to be able to put it on a guy with the boxing skill of a Junior DeSantos. On the bottom end of this card, look up the DraftKings prices. You're going to see a whole bunch of people that are probably going to lose their fights in devastating fashion. Now, out of those, the cheapest one or the second cheapest one at 7,000 is Junior DeSantos. He might not be the worst play because we see in his fights against Rosenstreich, against uh, maybe it was Lewis, I can't remember, but he looks good until he gets knocked out. Is there a chance that Cyril Gane is a front runner? I don't know. Is there a chance that at the end of the first round, Junior DeSantos is landing shots on him and Cyril Gane just isn't quite sure how to react? Does he gas? Does he panic? We don't know. $7,000 is a reasonable price to find out. I think at the bottom end for DraftKings, Junior DeSantos might not be the worst play. But again, I do not think he's going to win this fight, just making that one clear. Yeah, kind of like Mikey said, I mean, Junior DeSantos' boxing is, is pretty good. You know, he's, he's ran circles around a lot of guys. Ben Rothwell was one of the guys I thought was actually going to beat JDS, and then JDS decided to do a Mayweather a three-round boxing clinic versus him and uh win that fight so he could definitely do that and it could happen but i he just i just don't think he could take the damage anymore uh cyril gone is an impressive specimen uh the, the damage and power that he he throws with is is absolutely devastating he doesn't even need to hit jds on the chin he just needs to hit him on the head and he's going to knock him down and out i'm going to pick cyril gone by absolute devastation monkey strikes to jds's head <laughs> yeah so as i said this is the sad fight of the week um, love JDS. 
I love JDS so much that when he was sponsored by Nike in Brazil, I bought myself a Nike Singano uh, shirt because nice. I was all about it back in whatever late college, early non college. Either way, he has slowed down. He still has all the skill there. He absolutely does. He's pretty much a pure boxer. And even though we've always been told his best is his jujitsu, which he's literally never shown within the UFC. Um, Dude's got some boxing, absolutely. Still has pop in his hands. But the hard part is, it's like, like just like Mike Gill said, he's winning until he gets put out. He's winning until he gets knocked out. That's a real rough thing to say. And at some point, he's still getting knocked out. And I mean, not everyone's Alistair Overeem, who like apparently can get knocked out 20 times and is still coherent and can talk to people. Jiren Dos Santos, I, there's definitely some severe wear and tear on just about everything. And he may look great. He absolutely might look great. And Silgane, I'm not sure if he's a front runner, but he for sure comes out fast. So he's going to go for the finish in the first round, first round and a half. I've heard some people say that his ground game is really good. Like, he just has like strong heavyweight submissions. It's like if any of those arm locks is literally just like, I'm real strong. I'm grab your arm, I twist it. And then the guy taps. It's not like technical submissions and he's not sorry he's not doing that on jds i think that bothers me on jds he, he puts on the boxing clothes he does but he still he never has gotten the cover-up defense aspect of it so like he's throwing but his hands are down here if you can't see this i realize again that that's very much a video statement not as much of an audio statement if you can't tell my hands are down you can barely see him, but they're moving. And he kind of bobs and weaves, and he'll throw in the hooks and occasionally throw in a jab. But his jab is throwing his entire body into it, leaning his head over to the side. And he could very much get completely and utterly clocked by Cyril Gan Gane again. Now, now I'm getting self-conscious about the name here. But he uh, he has the power. Gane does an advantage. I mean, JDF <laughs> has power, but the speed isn't there anymore, which can take a little bit off, off the power. And uh, I... I hate to say it, but I do think JDS's time of being a top tier heavyweight is done. They need to start transitioning him uh, to where like Arlovsky's living in that like fighting the 10 to 15th rank guy. Like give him in the next year, give him Tom Aspinall or give him the Romanov dynasty. Or someone oh, like no, that. No, no. That's in, I said in the next year and a half. I didn't say them all. Just bear with me. And you'd feel better about it too if he gets his completely destroyed this weekend by Shogana. You'd be like, okay, well, he's he's not there yet. But I don't know yet. So uh, hard to say. But yeah, there's there's not there's not much for this fight. I guess my biggest thing is Shogana is minus four twenty. Last time I checked the pricing, I will double check in case it changed. But last I checked, uh, him inside the distance was only minus 150. And that's how he's going to win. So uh, where's the inside the distance going? I just had it. Yeah, minus 145 for inside the distance. So it's like that, that's how he's going to win. So if you want him at a substantially lower price, that's where it is. I, I honestly don't think he's going to win a decision. That that would be JDS winning would pro- likely be a decision. So if you want better odds there, go with that prop. Although I don't have a bet on this fight because I don't like to root for past favorite fighters of mine. So that's that's my take on this one. Moving on. Kevin Holland tested negative now. He's, his test came back from earlier in the week. He's officially negative. So even though his fight only got pushed a week, he's good to go. So Kevin Holland is minus 110 against Ronaldo 
sorry, Ronaldo, Jacare Souza, minus 110, Real Mike, Kevin Holland, who I know you've been pretty high on, versus the aged Gator. Oh, man, this is, you know, Kevin Holland is, is obviously the younger, more athletic, uh, definitely going to have the advantage standing, in my opinion. But on the ground, you know, jo- uh, Souza's no joke, man. I, I just, I'm having trouble grasping if, if Ronaldo Souza gets Holland down. It, it could be a big, big problem, but I, I, I'm not going to go that way. I, I really think that Holland has the striking to put out uh, Souza and to make him think differently and, and lose his black belt when he gets on the ground. So I think I'm going to go with a Kevin Holland to actually TKO, KO, finish um, yeah, Souza. I think that Souza is, is just not going to be able to even use his black belt on the ground because he's going to be unconscious. Yeah, no, uh, like I'm getting back to the first thing you said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Let's put that out, number one, but all of these that's UFC a bad fights. identifier to start with because yes. then we're going to assume you're trying to make up for the fact that you are hear me out so <laughs> all these ufc fighters like iwan kutalaba like now kevin holland like several others they keep testing positive for covid but like a week later they're apparently okay to lock be locked in a cage and fight professional fighters i don't know kutalaba tested positive like three times he's he's snorting covid right now he doesn't <laughs> care he's still in his garage training but um, Moldovan COVID snorting. Yeah. <laughs> He's up there with Romanov. You know, when you're in the dynasty, you get whatever you want. But um, Kevin Holland, 8,200 on DraftKings versus Jacare, 8,000. It's the turn. You're, you're going to want to have one of these guys in your lineup, probably. Um, for me, Jacare, he's 40 years old. He hasn't fought in, it'll be over 13 months when he steps in the cage. And he's one of these guys, just we were talking about people like him earlier. He's a grappler who now thinks he's a striker. And he's going to be dealing with a guy who, uh, in Kevin Holland, who I think has an 81 and a half inch reach. He's got a lot of pop on his hands. Ask, ask Joe Quinn Buckley. And he's competent on the ground. I'm not saying that he's, I'm not saying that if he, he grappled Jacare, he would win. I mean, he just got submitted by Brendan Allen. But he's competent enough, I think, to escape back to his feet where he can just batter a 40 year old man and we can all be sad together. And so for that, I am going to lean Kevin Holland in this fight. I don't have a crazy huge lean, but it is a lean for Kevin Holland. Again, if they get down on the ground, Jacare is more than capable of submitting him. And even on the feet, Jacare, he has a lot of power. Back before USADA was around, when, you, when he first started to come around with those power strikes, he could cover a lot of ground real fast with a lot of pop. I think those days are gone right now. So Kevin Holland's my pick, 8,200. But again, either one of these guys, depending on the lineup that you use, are probably going to be in the optimal. Sorry, in like any other any other sport or the time of your life, like just beats up a forty year old man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know why it made me laugh. Well, just hit me. Robin it Ventura hit me right went way. after it. Rod Nolan Ryan on the mound. It didn't end up well for him. Nolan Ryan was like forty four at the time. Yeah, Nolan Ryan whooped his ass. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm going to be on the other side here, not in a cra- in a crazy way, but. Again, reminder, we are at the apex. So we are in the smaller cage. Mm-hmm. And one thing the smaller cage can aid to is getting held up against the fence. And one thing that it was a split, and it was a horribly boring fight, don't get me wrong. But one thing that Jack Ray was able to do to the now light heavyweight champion was pin him up against the fence. And I do think that could happen for long stretches in this fight. Like, I'm talking like the terrible type of holding against the fence. Like, he's pinned against them. He's holding one arm. He's doing the occasional punch to the body and the stomp on the foot. 
like the, the worst type of pushing up against the fence. <laughs> and I think that could happen for the better part of two to three rounds. Um, like if he was the, like a big dog here, I thought there was going to be a lot of money on Kevin Holland. And if it was a, a bigger dog, I would have gone that because I do think it's going to be closer than people think. Yeah, I say all this stuff. And then Kevin Holland just going to do something crazy and like jump across and do like a flying switch kick and knock him out. And then I'll then I'll be eating crow. But as of right now, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I mean, I guess not so with it being a pick em, But I do think uh, Souza is going to win a sneaky decision. Everyone's talking about, like, Holland's looks so good. Holland's looks so good. It's like, again, this is his fifth fight in a year. And I know people are talking about that, that, that that's great experience and it gets you in a flow. But there's a reason why most fighters don't fight five fights in a year. It's because every single time they do, in my memory, they lose. They lose that fifth fight. Usually they lose that fourth fight, but they like I can't think of one where they win the fifth. Cowboy yeah. has always lost the fifth. Anybody else like the uh, Angela Hill has lost the fifth. Anyone that has tried to put in five fights in a year has lost the fifth. And I mean, by all means, if someone in the chat knows this or hit me up after the fact or whatever, it's like I, just off the top of my head, literally no fighter that I know that has tried to squeeze in that many fights in a year has won the fifth one. And it's sometimes, yes, it's not like five fights in a year. It's like five fights in like 13, 14 months or something like that. But I cannot think of one. It, like, it just utterly blank. I could think of at I, least two or three that failed. I think Hoist won five in a row. That but does it, Hey, hey, but hear me out. But in the fifth fight, he was so injured he couldn't compete in the sixth. I think that's how it went. I can't remember. I'm pretty you. sure. But that's also <laughs> because you didn't have the, like the, the, the wear and tear all happened that night. And you didn't have like the subsequent damage situations Look, but i'm just yeah, trying to throw facts out there point taken i'll take i'll take <laughs> your facts those, those were facts but that's when i'm like i have been on the kevin holland train I, i've been pro kevin holland i've picked him in fights i've made a lot of money on kevin holland i just this is i think this is the one where he's just gonna he's super confident which is great but i think he's underestimating a savvy veteran and i think this is going to be saffron veteran time where it's not going to be pretty, but I think Sousa can squeak it out. Next up, we have a bet. We're finally to the point where we have a bet. I know, I'm aware. You've been waiting with bated breath. Well, well we have one here. We have Hanato Moy. Mm-hmm, that was real messed up. Hanato <laughs> Moicano, plus 135, versus Rafael Fiziev, minus 155. Mikey Gills, talk to me about Moicano. Versus Fiziev. Yeah, let's start off with Hanato Moicano. Uh, 14, 3 and 1, 7 subs, 7 decisions, won $7,800 on DraftKings. Rebounded from a bad 2019 with two knockout losses in a row to get a submission win in March of this year. Uh, stylistically, really slick when he fights on the ground, great scrambles, quick to pull in a sub. I don't want to undersell his stand up. He's, he's more than competent with his striking. He has good, good kicks, decent hands. He's not bad, but, uh, but, but real Mike. Uh, I know you just did your Ancestry.com and found out a lot about yourself. So did Moicano, and unfortunately it turns out that he is 50% George Gurgel. He's a guy that's just going to want to stand up. <laughs> yes, he's a guy that's going to want to stand up and avoid what could be his best option, especially in a fight like this one. Going up against Raphael Fiziev. Fiziev, I'm not sure. Eight and one, five knockouts, one subs, 8,400 on DraftKings. I said one subs, Jesus Christ. Um, 8,400 on DraftKings. You can't pluralize the Lone Ranger. Anyway, um, one in three since entering the UFC. He's won his last two straight. Extremely dangerous on the feed. He's actually the head Muay Thai coach at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, knockout power, all eight limbs, all that good stuff. And he also, if that isn't enough, has a lengthy background, Sambo and Jiu-Jitsu. 
I don't want to oversimplify this, it's, but it's tough to avoid when you're breaking down fights in under a minute. Like Moicano would be wise to employ his ground game in this fight. Um, he, he's probably the, the more well-rounded of the two, probably. It's just like if you factor in everything that he knows, like, man, I don't know. Just it, I have a tough pick on this. I do have a lean. My lean is Fiziev. Fiz, God, somebody help me out. Fiz, I can't talk right now. Um, yeah, again, we're we just talking. Fiziev. Fiziev. Jesus. He's, was, he's, like a, he's like a sexy, sparkling drink. Dude, I swear, I, I blanked out for a second because I couldn't remember his name and everything just left my mind. Anyway, the point That's is, right. uh, like I said, he's got too much Gurgel in him and it, it's cost him twice in his last three fights. And I think it's going to happen again here. Fiziev's the pick for me. Yeah, um, this is going to be my bet for the the show. Uh, Rafael Fiziev, uh, you know, super, super good stand-up. Uh, like you said, head coach over at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, super deadly uh, standing w- w- and with elbows. Definitely well-rounded, too. Has a decent jiu-jitsu game, but I don't really think he's going to need it here. I think that uh, uh, Moicano is detriment to him is that he's just that Brazilian type that wants to just bang and come forward, and that ends up being a detriment to him. Similar to Jose Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo loves to bang and come forward, and once he gets hit, he loves to take another one. Um, I think that Moicano is going to put himself in a very bad position coming forward, thinking that he's going to be the nail or the hammer here. But uh, Fazeev uh, is just his striking is no joke. I think he's also got a hundred percent takedown defense rate. I believe in the UFC already. Uh, there's there's pretty much. I, I mean, I think Moicano's fucked. So I'm going to be putting down the 1.55 units on uh, Fazeev to absolutely devastate Moicano. I think Moicano is going to stand there, uh, put his hands up, and end up taking big bombs right to his face, similar to Sam, Sam uh, Chan Sung Jung. I think Anatoly Morcano doesn't use his ground game enough. I think he fell in love with his hands, as we've talked about previously. Uh, but he doesn't have like fight-stopping power. Um, the all-around game of Fiziev, I've been utterly impressed with. No, we're not all being sold on his random matrix bend uh, dodging a strike. It, just all around, he was just impressed with that fight. Although he's not a huge finisher either. Um, I do see this going to decision, but I, I really like Fiziev here. I agree with Mike. Real Mike. Again, I need to clarify this stuff. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting weird. Um, but uh, I'm with, with him on that. I just think it's just going to be clear, like worst case scenario, 29, 28. But like, I think it's going to be very, very clear, which as long as uh, Chris Lee, no, I'm spacing on the name. Either way, the, the, <laughs> the judge that everyone, nobody likes, here's hoping he's not judging. If he is, that is full disclaimer. That's not on us. But you will all see Fiziev win this fight. Next up, we have a fantastic co-main event. An utterly fantastic co-main event. It's Tony Ferguson, minus 170, versus Charles Dobronx, Oliveira, plus 150. Real Mike, sing to me about these lightweights. Oh, man. Well, this is going to be a great fight. I can tell you that for sure. The the transitions and the submission attempts and all the crazy shit that we're going to see in this fight is, is going to make it worth it. I'm I'm a little upset that, uh you know, Tony Ferguson, this is this is the fight that he gets. He, uh you know, jujitsu is his best thing. He, he That's what he relies on so much, to, uh, you know, to, to win. And then he uses his cardio and, and you know, great his unique skill set. But I, I just don't. You know, Dubronx's jiu-jitsu is equal or better than Tony's. I, I, when that happens on the ground, I it's not good. Tony's best asset is his ground game. Once he it e- is equal to or great or equal to the other guy, then he's going to stand up. 
Um, you know, I I really don't like Tony's stand-up. I, I think that he definitely is diverse. He does a lot of awkward things, di- different things, but he's not a great striker. He's he's not he's not the dude. Um, so I, I just I, I really think that uh, Ferguson is going to have a, a little bit of trouble here, and it's going to end up being a, a a decision win for Charles Oliveira. Uh, yeah, let's uh, stay on Tony Ferguson for a second. Uh, 25 and 4, 14 knockouts, nine subs, going off for 8,600 on DraftKings against Charles Oliveira, 29 and 8, eight knockouts, 19 subs, 7,600 hours on DraftKings. Uh, the one thing that I can't get out of my head in this fight, and a lot of people can't, is that Tony Ferguson just took a pretty bad beating not that long ago against Justin Gaethje. Where, like, it's one of those beatings where, especially at his age, I think he's 36, 37, I can't, one of those two. And at that age, when you take a beating like that, it can change you. But with that being said, I think he is the better fighter all around. I, you're talking about their jujitsu may be a wash. I don't know. Ferguson, it's not just his jujitsu, is when he's down there, he's striking the whole time. He is, he's. Like when Clay Guido fought Diego Sanchez and Diego was down on his back just throwing elbows the whole time, just doing everything. That's Ferguson. It's not just his jiu-jitsu you got to worry about. He's going to slice you up when you're down there. And on the feet, he's just a more creative striker. He throws from basically any angle. You don't know what he's going to do. He could roll towards you out of nowhere, snatch for a leg. He's just so unpredictable. So I, I, when making this pick, I can't bet that Tony Ferguson all of a sudden has like the Rocky 5 CTE and he's just going to have flashbacks of Justin Gaethje when he gets hit and, you know, Apollo Creed's dying or anything like that. I can't, I can't bank on that. So I am going to pick Tony Ferguson to win this fight. $8,600 on DraftKings. I do like him based on a few things. His finishing ability, like we said, out of 25 fights, 14 knockouts, nine subs. If he wins, most likely a finish. But not just that. He is busy as hell. He is a DraftKings all-star when he fights. So I like Tony – it's one of those situations. I, if you like Tony Ferguson for the win, then you like Tony Ferguson for the points. It's almost the same thing with Charles Oliveira, but I like Ferguson in this fight. So at $8,600, I like him on DraftKings. Just quickly, Tony Ferguson will be 37 in two months. So okay. he's, he, he's, he's right there on the edge. But uh, in terms of my breakdown on this fight, I'm not going to say that the result of this fight is because of what Justin Gagey did to Tony Ferguson. I'm not, I'm not going to say that because – but what people aren't remembering is things like that have been happening to Tony Ferguson his entire career. Like at least going back like post like post Danny once he started like really standing and striking a lot more. Dude can take a beating. He he really, really can, especially in the first round. He is a incredibly slow starter. He almost always loses the first round. His his entire slow starting of a round gave Lando Venata an entire UFC career. It's he's He's not great in the first round, and that that's not it's not a terrible thing if you can get it back, which you can always can. He always builds up and builds up and builds up, especially once he made that wonderful transition into five round fights. We're not talking about five round fights; we're talking about a three round fight right now. A lot of people are going against Dobronx because they talk about he's a quitter, he's a quitter, he's a quitter. I used to be on that train, trust me. Um, and I'm not saying he's no longer a quitter because he has all of these wins that have racked up. Because a lot of them, the standard of competition is much lower. I'm I'm willing to admit that. But even just in his very last fight against Kevin Lee, several, several, several times within the first and even the second round, he had an option to quit. And he didn't. And Kevin Lee hits, 
I mean, volume-wise, yes, down from Ferguson. Strength-wise, power-wise, substantially more than Tony Ferguson. And you talked about how uh, Tony Ferguson, if he is down, he will throw from bottom. He will go crazy. Rewatch Kevin Lee versus Dobronx. He's throwing up like crazy. He's throwing up, trying to grab a leg. He's kicking from bottom. He's punching while he's down. Literally the only time he didn't was there was a stretch of time in the second round where Kevin Lee was... 100% just laying on him and pressing like his face against his face so he couldn't get punched for like an extended period of time to get rest. And I've heard some people say bad things. The fact that like Kevin Lee was able to quote get him down so easily, but I mean, he got down Tony Ferguson not that difficultly as well. He He's good at that. That's why so many people thought he was a future champion before we all know his mental lapses um, against everybody. Again, not disparaging Kevin Lee and his questionable tattoo choices. That's not who we're talking about. I'm not going to go <laughs> down that road. But although I did, I did say on Twitter, I do truly believe this that um, uh, Joe Bronx beat him so bad that he got that tattoo because there's, there's a weird really tattoo. No there's the, it's and it's not even done yet. It's like I don't know. What? It's like it's half armor. I think it's samurai armor. I don't know. But I, I, I think I've, so. I've looked at it a hundred times. I can't figure out what it's supposed to be. Uh, maybe when it's done, oh no! Like, it, like if he's trying, if he's trying to have a helmet, doesn't he understand it's supposed to go over your whole head, but not like but, the top knot? But it looks like it has flames coming up underneath. It doesn't I make sense. Is that a secondary tattoo? Okay, we're sorry, we're spending so much time <laughs> on Kevin Lee's questionable tattoo choice. He already had it before, but it's back. Um, I was very impressed with uh, Dobronx in that fight. I've been a Dobronx backer in the past. Uh, his striking looked phenomenal in that fight compared to what it has before. He's always had flashes, but now it's finally like cinching up. He actually has a little bit of defense. And so we, we talked about a pre-show. The last person to really have a submission attempt against Tony Ferguson was Danny Castillo. That was a long time ago, man. It's like really everybody is just trying to stand up with Tony Ferguson. He's willing to oblige. Like he'll strike with you. And then when he rocks you, that's when he lynches on a submission. His striking is super unique. Um, he throws the elbows, the standing elbows, everything like that. And he cuts you up. That's all fantastic. He's a slow starter. It's a three-round fight. Dobronx is a fast starter. He will put on it, put it on in the first round. And... I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to like Eminari roll out of stuff when you're fighting Dobronx. He's going to grab something. He's going to grab a neck and his squeeze is insane. So I'm surprised at the dog money here. Um, I know at some point in this week it was higher and I would have loved to have a higher price, but I love the plus 150. So I'm actually picking Dobronx here. I think he is on the ascent. I'm not saying Tony Ferguson is going off a cliff i'm not saying he's done i'm just saying he got up to that upper tier and found himself wanting i always thought he was going to be tough for khabib but i'm sorry if ferguson would have been able to do that to him and i know it's different styles i think khabib would have destroyed him too he just he's just not quite there i don't know if that was an age thing that he was there a couple of years ago but he kept getting like not getting a title shot but my bet on this is one unit on the bronx at the plus 150 Sorry, I have to make a bold declarative boom with a timestamp because <laughs> stuff. Sorry. Um, and I was the last one to talk on that one. That's right. So we're going to the main event. Yes, I talked all that much. That wasn't even the main event. At least I had a bet on that one. One of the ones that I decided to go crazy on. But okay, in the main event, we have Davison. I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Portuguese, but an English god of war. Figueredo, minus 300 versus Brandon 
like the assassin. I still don't get the assassin, baby. Uh, plus two fifty. It's a good nickname. Mikey Gills, the main event. Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. Well, you can talk all all you want about the co-main because I'm going to be actually pretty short with this. Uh, right off the bat, I just want to say I'm pretty happy that we got to break down both of these fighters a couple of weeks ago because with the week that I'm having, the month that I'm having at work, the less work that I have to do on fight cards like this, the absolute better. Um, this fight comes down to basically one thing for me, which is Brandon Moreno, and it's the reason that I picked Royville against him. It's the reason I think you picked him as well. Um He's just Moreno is so wild in exchanges that he's easy to get hit, and you can play that game against certain people. We ne- we didn't get to see how it would play out against Brandon Royville because of the shoulder injury, the Mel Gibson lethal weapon, but against a guy like Davison Figueredo, if you're leaving your chin out there in wild exchanges the second the fight starts, two seconds after the fight starts, you might be asleep already. This guy has power. He's and not just powers. He'll knock you down and he'll quickly jump on a sub. Figueredo is a different animal. The only real worry I had about him was maybe a secondary weight cut so soon, but A, Moreno's doing the same exact thing. B, we already talked about how it just doesn't seem to be affecting people that bad. And and C, I mean, uh, John Anik, I, I heard him talk about it. He said that apparently Figueredo's basically been living at the UFC PI and his weight's fine. He didn't let it get back up. So... With that in mind, I'm just going to go ahead and pick Davison Figueredo. We're talking about a guy with nine knockouts, eight subs on his record, 9,000 on DraftKings. He's going to be at the top of our card. I love him in this fight. I don't think it's going to be a particularly long fight. And I just, I don't see a way that Moreno wins this. So Moreno at 72, I don't like him on the bottom bottom end of DraftKings. Uh, Figueredo, 9,000, that's my play. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to echo the same thing. Pretty easy pick for me. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Black Belt, and Frigueto. Uh, his his stand-up is absolutely devastating. He comes to kill people. Brandon Moreno is a little too wild. Not enough well-rounded uh, in a striking game for me to ever trust. That's why we picked him versus Royville. Uh, fluke injury happened there, but uh, this is not a fluke. Uh, Devison Figueredo uh, is going to whoop his ass. I think it, it, it most likely has, uh, he's never been subbed or knocked out, Brandon Moreno. I, I think that Devison Figueredo is just going to do a five-round just schooling on them, the kids. So I'm going to pick the Figueredo by decision. I love Davison Figueredo. I've learned to love him after, obviously, he, he beat Joe B twice, and that was, that was rough for us. We're big Joe B fans, but... <coughs> All the reasons, like some of what you said about the the Royville. Yes, I was on Royville. That was that was my bet for that one. And honestly, I mean, I know I know it was a TKO and he lost, but I mean, his shoulder was out. He can't, you can't defend strikes when, when your shoulder's out. And if he would have gone to the, who knows if it would have made it to, go to, uh, the midway point through the, the between rounds, maybe they would have been able to pop back in. I, I I don't know, and I don't know how functional it would have been at that point. I didn't know that was a possibility for his shoulder to pop out, but. He was getting the better of the striking. He he was landing more. He was landing cleaner. Moreno gets hit. And one of my reasons for going for Royval is Moreno's wildness and his possibility of getting in bad situations. Well, we've seen the type of grip, the type of lock that Davison Figueredo has on people and just do that quick tap. I, he has it here too, but he also just lands he just lands so much harder. Um his power is ridiculous. Like I, I'm, I'm shocked by his power. He's a gigantic human 
for for 125. It's it's utterly utterly ridiculous. Literally, the only reason he's going to be able to bounce back and make this weight is because they Dana White was basically like, "Hey, you get to live at the apex. Hey, we're going to feed you every single meal. Hey, we can weigh you every day. Hey, you could have like massages, sauna. Like, what do you want? We'll give it to you. Like, they basically like gave him free reign to live the ideal scenario to make weight again. I do not know if they did that with Moreno as well. Actually, actually not. I probably should have looked into that, but I, I know that they did at least for Davidson Figueredo. Yeah, I'm just one one thing that I keep reviewing over and over again in my head is one thing that Moreno does. It's almost like an old school alpha male thing where he's going forward and he literally just like whips a fastball over the top, and as he does, he like bends his head down. I don't, I don't know why he does it, but he just he just throws a reckless abandon. But one thing that Davison Figueredo was fantastic at is an uppercut right up the middle. And I just picture Moreno just looping over top with his head going down and at the same time, Figueredo connecting. I don't know if he's going to put him out or not, but I, don't know. I love Davison Figueredo here. Minus 300, obviously, is crazy steep. But I like him in this spot. I think he could get the finish. Um, I, I, I really wish that the Moreno... Uh, Royville fought, fight went longer because it would have answered a lot of questions for me. And other other than that, I mean, I, I, I pick is Davidson Figueredo. I'm not gonna go any further on it. There's no bet in here whatsoever, so I, I'm not gonna keep going on it in any type of ridiculous way. But it's gonna be a great fight, honestly. All action packed. I'm looking at some props on see if there's anything I want to play. But as as of right now, nothing in terms of that. Now, Mikey Gills, if you will. Our DraftKings breakdown. All right, so we're gonna cross our fingers and we're all gonna say a prayer that the uh, that COVID doesn't ravage this one like it did last week. But uh, again, all right. So we'll start. We'll start off at the top of our lineup. Davidson Figueroa, nine thousand. We just talked about him. This is an obvious pick. I believe in him. I believe in his power. I believe in his finishing ability. Like this is his time. And like again, I'm praying that this fight doesn't get canceled because I think this guy is gonna cash out for for just huge points on DraftKings. Next up, 8,900. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm putting Tisha Torres in my DraftKings lineup. Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I may just be too hyped up about how awful her opponent looks, but when I see someone as, like, as unskilled and as fraudulent as Sam Hughes, it's, it's very difficult for me to not pick a veteran like Tisha Torres. Like, historically, not a huge DraftKings score, but if she can't get a finish over this girl... She can't get a finish over I mean, anybody. But, but little do you know that it's the season of Hughes. Because, like, right now, Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Christmas Vacation. John Hughes wrote all those movies. For all we know, this is his daughter. All right, all right fair enough, fair enough. I have um, no facts to back this up. Okay, all right. That's fair enough. <laughs> Next up, 8,800. We're going to Sergei Spivak. Uh, look, Styles make fights, and Spivak's opponent seems almost tailor-made for Spivak to get in close and to go to work on him. Like, Vandera, just too slow too ineffective and just i can't see him doing anything to keep spivak off of him it's heavyweight mma which means more finishes i like spivak for the win which means i like him most likely for the finish next up eighty six hundred dollars i'm rolling tony ferguson let's go like i said a few minutes ago like i i have to see tony as an over the hill washed up fighter before i bet against him and i just don't see what Oliveira does stylistically just to keep tony from just running away with this fight as it starts to go on. Like, I don't want to like get relitigate this whole thing, but again, Tony, Tony is a DraftKings monster. And when he wins fights, we're talking about a guy that finishes everybody. 
if he's going to win, it's most likely going to be by a finish, and I like him for the win. So, therefore, again, I like him for the points. Next up, $7,700. We are rolling with Gavin Tucker. This is a tough pick for me because I do like Billy Q a lot, but when I watch the tape on Gavin Tucker, I think he's just good enough to nullify Quarantino's strengths. Uh, I like him for the win, and with his style, it means I like him for the points. I think he can throw a lot of those kicks. He's going to stay busy, and even if he doesn't get the finish, this could be one of those three-round decisions that pays off huge. Last up, we talked about it earlier, and look, I get it. This is a punt play. This is the bottom of the DraftKings lineup. This is who do you like best out of the ones you don't like. This is Junior DeSantos at $7,000. Hear me out. I am picking Cyril Gahn to win this fight. Let's get that out of the way. But Junior DeSantos is not Tanner Bozer. JDS is not Dante Mays. And is it possible that we are just overhyping Gon? Look, I don't know. What if he starts getting boxed up and it turns out that he can't fight behind? I said all this before. The point is that $7,000 is a price I am willing to pay to find out if any of that stuff is true. And again, if it gets to the second round and Gon just all of a sudden doesn't have a guy that's afraid of him, because Junior DeSantos is a lot of things. He's not a coward. He's not going to be afraid of Cyril Gon. What's going to happen in the second and third round? I don't know. JDS still has the power to put anybody away, and he still has the style and the boxing to win a decision. All he has to do is avoid getting knocked out. He's not going to get submitted in this fight. Seven, excuse me, $7,000. I'm here for it. So one more time, just going over it. Davison Figueredo, Tisha Torres. God, it sounds so bad saying. Sergey Spivak, Tony Ferguson, Gavin Tucker, and Junior DeSantos. Let's go. Mike Gill's officially off the gain train. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I've been waiting like a minute and a half to say that. Pick a kickball, JDS. I, I specified I'm picking him to win this fight. This is a punt play. No, sorry, 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 sorry. I, I had to had to do it. I just it, it had to be done. Um, before <laughs> we do the outro and we bid adieu, uh, anything going on for you guys? Anything you want to say? We'll start with real Mike. Anything going on? Nah, just uh, I'm off right now. Took the whole month off. Uh, thankfully, I'm in one of the best unions in the world. So I get to spend time with my family, take care of my chickens, and begin my winter farm so we could uh, feed the family. But i just like to thank each and every one of you for liking, subscribing, watching, and interacting uh, in the chats, uh, on Twitter, and everywhere else. Uh, we're always here for you guys, and our goal is just to win you money. So let's go. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that all of the hours that Real Mike isn't working, I am working right now. I got home about... 35 minutes before this show started completely exhausted but you know what we're here for you guys so like mike said thank you guys for listening we appreciate every single one of you well we will be back next week for the final card of the year ufc vegas 17 that's thompson versus neil used to be a better main things fall out but you know we'll have fun don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice apple podcast spotify google podcast overcast podcast rss feed please remember to subscribe to us on youtube for both the full-length shows and the tidbits that will come off later in the week you gotta like it you gotta comment you gotta share you gotta give us feedback this is a this is a relationship this is a two-way street eye contact we're pl- conversations are like tennis. We got you got to play with me. We got to hit it back and forth. So I want to hear from you. I will reply back. And with that, let's roll.